0: All right, welcome to another brand new edition of Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live, another week of hockey talk. Uh, we'll do it today and we'll do it Thursday at one o'clock as well as Stick to Hockey Live continues. Ah, podcast with Harry Mays coming up tomorrow and all presented by Park Sportsbook. Sam Carcidi will join us in just a couple of minutes to talk about a, a long career as a journalist a long career covering the Flyers and a new venture and much more. We'll talk about players that he's covered, kind of uh, favorites and maybe not so favorites, and a ton more to talk about this season and a lot to get into as the Flyers are riding a seven-game losing streak once again. Winless in 10, seven-game point streak, now a seven-game losing streak. Unbelievable. But let me tell you about Parks first and foremost. Download the app on your iPhone or your Android, real easy to do, get involved in the action. This is not, you know, the good thing about technology is it's easy to use even for, you know, people that aren't technologically, you know, advanced. And the good thing is when it comes to gambling, this isn't old school anymore. It's not just money lines and spreads and all that stuff. Now it's way more than that. It's in-game props. It's season props, futures, it's same game parlays, live play-by-play betting, first to score, last to score, player performances. It's all there and all easy, just a little tap on your phone, that's all it takes, and it's a lot of fun. And if you don't have a feel for a game before the game starts, that's when you go play-by-play betting. You kind of get a, a vibe of what's going on in the first period of a game or first half of a football game or first quarter of a of a basketball game. You go, okay, now I have a little bit of knowledge of what this team is tonight and what they are against this opponent tonight. And boom, that's when you can maybe jump on some action as well. So make sure you download the app. And for new customers, no promo required, just deposit. And your fir- first bet is risk-free up to $500. Real simple, your first bet. If you want to make your first bet tonight, you find something you like on the uh, the Flyers-Isles game, boom, pop it in. Or maybe you like another game around the uh, the card tonight. Or you, maybe you want to get in on the, the football action coming up this weekend. It was a wild weekend this past weekend uh, in the NFL. So download the app and check out all the details there. Uh, Parkstasino.com PA. You can go online and check them out as well. And make sure you give them a follow on their social channels because there's a lot going on on the social channels. At Park Sportsbook on Twitter. Uh, they're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. This show is on all those formats as well with the exception of instagram because they don't do live shows but there will be clips there and highlights and you get all the great stuff from rich gannon and eddie alvarez and uh, mike quick there's a lot of great stuff there natalie sam everybody providing great content and there's daily specials and all kinds of stuff so make sure you check it out and follow them on all the social channels at park sportsbook again on instagram twitter uh, facebook and youtube And you'll see this show and past episodes uh, there as well. You can peruse through the uh, catalogs and uh, also this show available, obviously on iTunes and uh, on demand after the live performances. And you can go back and check out any of the past episodes. If you are using iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, Google play with all those things, uh, make sure you subscribe, leave us a rating and review as well. That'll help other flyers and hockey fans find. Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. So a ton to get into on this episode because, uh, like I mentioned off the top, the Flyers now have lost seven straight games. And, you know, this is after a 10-game winless skid that was misery personified for Flyer fans. And then a little bit of hope with a seven-game point streak, which actually got them within a point of the wild card. Now, Detroit was holding that wild card at the time. It wasn't Boston yet. Boston had missed a bunch of games because of COVID and postponements and everything that goes along with it. Uh, they got within a point and was like, okay, for a 10-game winless skid this early in the season to have survived that and be right there, thats we'll take it, all things considered, and That without Ryan Ellis and the injuries and the Kevin Hayes, double, all that stuff. Tough schedule. You go, okay, we're good. But since then, since the seven game point streak, and that ended in San Jose on the last game of 2021, uh, a 3-2 overtime loss, that was the last point they got uh, prior to the losing streak. They've gotten a point in this losing streak, two points actually. They had that overtime loss to San Jose that I just mentioned, then lost to uh, the Los Angeles Kings 6-3, lost to the Anaheim Ducks 4-1, lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins 6-2, then lost to San Jose in Philadelphia on January 8th, 3-2 in overtime. That was the hurdle trick game. Next game was postponed against the Carolina Hurricanes. And then Boston, last Thursday, a 3-2 loss there because of a slow start. And a David Pasternak hat trick in that one. And then uh, the game on Saturday night at Wells Fargo Center, the 3-2 loss against the New York Rangers, where once again, 10-plus minutes, it took them to get their first shot on goal. And, you know, when you see stuff like that, Knowing that slow starts are a killer, you just can't have that. And you got to, you kind of scratch your head and go, well, why, how could that happen? How could there be a slow start in that game on Saturday night against the Rangers after the slow start in Boston bit them in the butt? And it really bit them in the butt. And you come into that next game against the Rangers at home and it's a slow start once again. Now, I broke down some of the numbers. Uh, about slow starts in the pregame show of that Flyers-Rangers game that night. Now, the Flyers this season, now, if they score the first goal, they've been good. That's, that Look, the team that scores the first goal is pretty much always in a good situation. Not all, not all the time. Some teams come back, like the Rangers, when not scoring first this season, were 9-9-2 this season. So that's pretty good. If we're not scoring the first goal, if you're coming back, and you've won 9 of those games and gotten two more to an overtime loss, you'll take that. That's a good that's a good trait for a team to have. But the Flyers this season when they've scored first, they've done well. 11-2 and 5. Now that technically there's five overtime loser points there. It's 11 wins and seven losses, but the Flyers uh, in that situation have been good when scoring first. But when the opposition scores first, as was the case against Boston, as was the case Against the New York Rangers. They're now 215 and two when they don't score first. That's unbelievable. Now, like I said, the Rangers, when they score first and going into that game, they were 15, 1 and 2 when scoring first. So combine it. The Rangers were 15, 1 and 2 when scoring first, and the Flyers were at the time 214 and 2 when not scoring first. It had to be a point of emphasis from the coaching staff to get off to a better start to not put yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable. And they, they came out and they didn't get their first shot on goal till after the 10 minute mark of the game. It's, I, I, it's a head scratcher for me. And it's not like, you know, they had good pressure and were getting opportunities, but just didn't hit the net, but had scoring chances. None of that. It just didn't look good. After the first period, they end up getting tied just a couple minutes later in the 11 minute mark of the first period. And, you know, they come out of that first period tied. And, you know, you go, okay, all's well that ends well. Actually, they ended up having a higher possession number in that first period. They got outshot, I think it was 12 to six in the first period, but it's chasing the game. Now you could be go, okay, well, they score the second period, one, one going into the third. And about midway through the third period, Cam York scores his first NHL goal. And now they're leading the game. So they overcame it. Yeah, they did. But you can't keep giving up the first goal because it makes you chase a game. And it's not a recipe for success. And the numbers bared out. I just I just gave them to you. 2-15-2 when not scoring first. It just it defies logic. That was one of the things coming into the season Chuck Fletcher talked about when he made a lot of the changes. Was he said, since I've been here and allegedly prior to me getting here, the team has been a slow starter and we got to fix that. And they came into the season and they started out first periods much better than in the past, but old habits die hard. And we're starting to see those problems creep in once again. And now all of a sudden, you know, with that record of, you know, 215 and two, and, and when you give up the first goal, it's, uh, as they say, not ideal and, it can't keep happening, and if you're, you're playing an Islanders team tonight and tomorrow night, you can't do that. At Islanders, even though they're struggling this season, under Barry Trotz, a lot of structure there. There's a lot of defensive structure, and they'll they'll choke you out if you do not if you do not find a way to play from in front. Playing from behind against teams that with good defensive structure and that rely on their game defensively more than they do offensively uh, will really thrive in that situation. Matter of fact, I'll look at their numbers, the Islanders numbers, uh, when leading now, they they've had a really bizarre year because, uh, they started out the season with a 13 game road trip while their building was getting done. And now that they their building's done, they're back in it. They still just have never been able to get their feet under them all season long, playing a little bit better, not tremendously better, but a little bit better. Now, the Islanders, when scoring first, 9-4-4. Four, and four. Not, Actually, not that great of a record. When when the opposition scores first, 2-9-2. and two. I'm surprised it's not better than that. But the Islanders' season has been a bit sideways. So, um, I guess it stands to reason that they're in a situation where, um, you know, their numbers are going to be a little upside down from what they are. If we went back and looked at last season, I'm sure it would look far, far different for the New York Islanders and Barry Trotz's squad. Uh, but that being said, Flyers and Islanders tonight. Uh, Metropolitan Division right now has the Flyers sitting in the sixth spot, uh, 37 games played, 13-7-7 seven, the record, 33 points. They lost seven straight. They're 2-5-3 and three in their last 10. Uh, they're tied in points with the Devils, who also have 33 through 37 games. Devils do have 14, their record's 14, 18, and 5. And the Islanders sitting in the bottom spot uh, with 28 points. So they're five points back of the Flyers and the Devils. But here's the rub. The Flyers and the Devils have played seven more games than the Islanders. Seven. Islanders have a record of 11, 13, and 6, 28 points, but they are 6-3 and 1 in their last 10 games. So they are playing better. And, you know, sometimes it's not who you play. It's when you play them. And you, you maybe wanted to catch the Islanders a little bit earlier this season as opposed to being a little bit later this season because – The situation with the Islanders, uh, you know, you get them when they're playing a little bit better, starting to feel good. They know they got the seven games in hand. They want to get back into the mix. And they're obviously a team that at this point, you know, back-to-back years in in the conference final, everybody looked at the natural trajectory for a team like the Islanders and said, okay, if they've gotten the back-to-back conference finals, once in the bubble, then last year, then, you know, it's finals or bust for the Islanders. But that 13-game road trip to start the season was no party for them, and they were all over the country too. It wasn't like they just stayed in, you know, in the northeast corridor. They're a team that, you know, they could have played a lot of their games relatively close to home because of where they're located. Could have got a couple games against the Rangers. Could have got the Devils, the Flyers, uh, you know, the, the Capitals going up to Boston and taking care of it that way. But I imagine Lou Lamorello actually asked for them to knock out a couple of their distance road trips as well uh, during the 13-game road trip. In hindsight, maybe that wasn't the right decision for Lou Lamorello and the Islanders, but it's one that uh, he had to make, and uh, they are where they are right now, but they do have the seven games in hand. And when you look at the the wild card standings right now and the chase for that final playoff spot, I don't know if if this is a situation where in the Eastern Conference that we'll see a different team – than the eight teams that are sitting currently in playoff position in the East, Florida, Tampa, uh, Toronto have the top three spots in the Atlantic. Then the Rangers, Canes caps have the top three spots in the Metro. And then it's the Penguins with 49 points through 37 games and the Boston Bruins through 35 games with 46 points that sit in the playoff position right now. You know, Detroit is the one team back of the Bruins at 39 points, but they, The Bruins have four games in hand on Detroit, and Detroit's not good enough to overcome that. Columbus, 36, but they've played one more game than the Boston Bruins, but are 11 points back. And right now the Flyers sitting 13 points back, and the Bruins have two games in hand. So that's just not an ideal scenario. The math has gotten really, really difficult for the Flyers. The math is getting better for Uh, the Boston Bruins who are playing really good hockey right now. And they're a team uh, in Boston that's kind of been there, done that. And they faced some adversity earlier this season, obviously because of COVID, everybody has, everybody's, every team has dealt with that. But uh, Boston's a team that you don't see them as one of those teams that could falter it away with just a little bit more than a half a season to go. And you just don't see any of those teams chasing right now, that also could put themselves in a situation to to track them down. You're going to have to play for the Flyers to get in at this point. We were talking about this the other day. I think uh, Brian Smith and I, I think it's, they'd have to play about 0.720 points percentage the rest of the way to get to that 100, 101 points. That's unlikely. I have to wet my palate, sorry. Um, we're waiting on Sam Cartiti. I don't know if he forgot or... What's going on? Somebody hit up Sam. I just texted him. Um, But when you look at points percentage, put it this way. If you want a team, your team to be able to play uh, at a 720 points percentage, there's only one team playing above that in the entire NHL. And that's the Florida Panthers at 750. Actually, there's a couple of teams. Carolina above 720 at 743. Colorado's at 729. They're the only three. Then it's Tampa at 713. Toronto at 708. Rangers, Minnesota's up there, Pittsburgh, and Boston. You know, when you look at these wild card standings, and you really got to go by with the disparity in games played, you really got to go by points percentage. That's how you can kind of see where everybody is kind of located right now. And when you look at the fact that Detroit's at a 500 points percentage, Boston's at 657. Columbus is at 486. Again, Boston at 657. Flyers at 446, you know, to play a, a 720 points percentage is just so unlikely uh, for the Flyers to be able to do that. And again, the the schedule, the NHL schedule is always hard. You can always go, Oh, tough stretch here, tough stretch there. It gets easier for like two, maybe three games is probably the max that the, the NHL is a tough league. 32 teams. Yeah. There's some teams that aren't good and, And a a bad team can beat a good team on any given night, like Arizona beating Toronto last week, even though Toronto outshot them significantly. But it it doesn't get easy. There's no easy spots in the schedule. You have the Islanders today and tomorrow. Then Thursday at Wells Fargo, Flyers will take on the Columbus Blue Jackets who are sitting above them in the standings and uh, have some things going nicely for them of late. And then it's Buffalo on Saturday. That's Buffalo. You look at Buffalo and... It's Buffalo being Buffalo. I mean, right now, Buffalo's the third worst team in the conference, 11, 20, and 6, 28 points through 37 games. But that's Buffalo year in, year out. And then Dallas uh, coming up next Monday at Wells Fargo. Then the Islanders again. And then you get Los Angeles, the Kings who are improving, Winnipeg. Then you get Detroit, Washington. This will take us uh, through the Olympic, well, supposed Olympic break. And then Washington, St. Louis, both good teams. Edmonton, scuffling and Minnesota and Chicago. So it's, there's just really no let up when it comes to an NHL schedule. And there's just not a lot of margin for error. So where this team goes from here, as we count down to, uh, I guess the trade deadline at this point, which I believe is March 21st, you know, I know people really want the Flyers to start making things happen, making moves, getting things done, but it's not that simple. We want that to happen now. You, We want immediate action when things don't go well, but that wouldn't be the prudent approach for Chuck Fletcher. You have to get teams, multiple teams, involved in bidding for an asset because you're not in a situation where you're gonna trade a player, say, Drew or align and say, Braun, guys on expiring deals, you don't have to do it now because there's no urgency, and the closer you get to the deadline, that's when teams start to get desperate because there's a deadline there. It's you know, it's an end game. It has to be done by this time, so you can get teams, more teams involved, and desperation seeks it. You know, seeps into the equation, and as teams miss out on players that they were trying to get, then their desperation grows even larger. And the Flyers, you know, you're gonna have to. We're gonna have to wait into March for those things to happen and for a a market to develop and bolster. Now, who's are the guys that they could trade? Three of those guys I just mentioned, all on expiring deals, Giroux, Braun, and Ristolainen. Now, Ristolainen a guy that I'd like to keep because of what he's brought to the table. I think he's been pretty good. Uh, You know, the analytics versus eye test community had a a knockdown, dragout drag-out fight in the offseason. We don't need to rehash it. The numbers, where would they weren't in Buffalo? But in a different role here in Philadelphia, in a second-pairing role, uh, that's been different for Ristolainen. And I think he's played pretty darn well in that situation. And a contract extension would have to be reflective that of a not a top-pairing right-side defenseman, but of a second pairing, a 3-4 defenseman. So I'd like to see them re-sign him. I think that he provides a physicality that the team lacked before he got here and that has has been an element that they've needed and he's brought. And not to the extent where it takes him out of position and out of plays and out of, you know, his responsibilities as an NHL defenseman. So, but those three players in particular are three guys that could fetch a return. Martin Jones could as well. If a, if a team's looking for goaltending depth, he's a guy that was obviously a starter as recent as last year. He's a guy that uh, you know backstopped an NHL team to a Stanley Cup final uh, with San Jose, so he's got a lot of playoff experience. And you know you can't have enough goaltending because you don't want that to derail you if you're going to a third goaltender in the playoffs because of a couple injuries or whatever. We're hoping at that point that COVID's not part of the equation but Martin Jones could fetch you something. You're not going to get a first round pick for Martin Jones, but you can get something. And Braun's another guy on an expiring deal that you could get something for. But I think we all have to come to kind of grips here as observers, fans, analysts, and not let every game drive us insane because that's what it's doing. Like you see it on social media and that's social media. You know, that's, that's the emotion zone. And we just fire off a tweet, boom, just, you know, going crazy emotion and being a fan and, and not taking a deep breath first. I, but we got to come to some kind of headspace on how to deal with the remainder of this season because it's, you can drive ourselves crazy. As frustrating as the Boston and then followed up, with that ranger game and yet another slow start was it's very difficult to in that moment, you know, when that game's happening or when that game ends and it's another loss now seven straight, it's very difficult to just try and be rational. You know, you're mad. You're pissed off and you're like, screw this. Fuck it. I'm going to send out a bomb here. But if we're going to, stay sane through this. And, you know, the people that are sanctioning a full blown tear it down to the foundation and rebuild it. Do you have the stomach for that? Like the people that say that I'd love to go back and like, look at their tweets because there's a lot of misery in there and there's no guarantee that there's a big pot of gold at the other end of the rainbow. (laughs) You can't go, okay, this is miserable right now. The team's tearing it down. They've, you know, devoid of talent and they're building up through prospects and picks and young players, blah, blah, blah. Knowing that, hey, in three years or two years or four years that we're going to be really good and we're going to go on this five to 10 year run of being a perennial team that can get in that cup conversation. There's no guarantee of that. None at all. There's too many teams that have tried it, and it not worked. Does it work for some? Sure. Some people will cite Tampa. I say that's bullshit. You can't cite Tampa. They weren't just sitting there picking at the top of the draft and sucking for five years to to get those players. They they had good picks of players that weren't at the top of the draft. Now, Hedman was, but Kucherov wasn't. Braden Point wasn't even a first-round pick. You got the goalie. You got all these pieces. But that wasn't through tanking, and that wasn't through stripping it down. Look at Toronto. They stripped it down. Where have they gotten? Yeah, they're an exciting team. They got some really good talent. And they may end up being a team, and they may make us all eat our words. And the people in Toronto hope so. But you got Austin Matthews. You got Marner. You bring in Tavares on the free agent market. You've got a lot of good players there. But they haven't gotten out of the first round. Look at a team like the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, how many first overall picks did they have? Edmonton right now is in a situation. They're not, they're chasing the wild card in the Western Conference. Edmonton right now has 38 points. San Jose's got 42. So they're four back, but they do have four games in hand. But it's been a mess out in Edmonton, an absolute mess. When you go, they've lost six straight, by the way two, six, and two in their last 10. You look at Edmonton and you go, how with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, some of the pieces that they have, how that, how on God's green earth have they lost six straight and how are they not in a playoff position? Connor McDavid may be the most skilled hockey player I've ever seen put on skates. I mean, can you find somebody that can do the things that he does? Athletically, on the ice? I can't. No way. I mean, the guy right now in 34 games is 53 points. And a teammate through 35 games has 54 points in Leon Drysettle including 26 goals. And that's not enough. That's not a team. Those are two players. I and mean, they got Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who they extended in the offseason. Paul Yarvey's been much better for them. They brought in Zach Hyman. They got off to a great start. They got Tyson Barry, Darnell Nurse. They got some good players, but they're nowhere near a team that can get it done. And uh, Ken Holland, I don't know what he's going to do out there. He's a guy that I would call if I was the Flyers. Because not making the playoffs when you have Dreisaitl and McDavid is not an option. I mean, that could be a destination for a guy like Martin Jones. Mike Smith hurt again or his hand or his thumb, I think, and he's out for a period of time, but they're goaltending between Mike Smith and Mika Koskinen's not good enough. So maybe that's a place where you call, and you start to have some conversations. Hey, what do you guys need? The desperation element for the Flyers is wearing off. It's going away. That bodes better in a trade situation. If you wanted to make a trade prior to Christmas in December, while the team was right there, you're at a disadvantaged trade position. Teams know that you need something to save your season. Now, when you look at the math, it doesn't look like it can be saved. So that changes the tenor of any conversation that Chuck Fletcher will have. It changes every element of it. So now he's in a position where he's going, okay. If you want to make me, if you want to come after one of my players, because now you're desperate and I'm not, let's talk. Because now the scale tips in his favor. And there are teams like Edmonton that would see pieces on this Flyers team and go, some of these pieces could help me. Maybe a change of scenery for a guy like Travis Konechny would get him going again back to pre-pandemic Travis Konechny. Maybe a guy like Travis Sandheim would warrant a huge overpayment. And you're not looking to move either of those guys per se, but you're not hanging up the phone, especially for a team that's got some desperation. Sandheim's an interesting one because he has a year left after this that he's under control and then he gets to free agency. So a team making a trade for him goes, I get two runs with him, and if things work out here, then I extend them. That's a good situation. It's not a stone-cold rental, but there's also not a long-term commitment, and there's not a huge dollar sign attached to his contract. There's not a lot of term, and there's not a ton of money there. So that's an attractive guy that's on a non-expiring contract that could help a team. He's been much better of late. He's a guy that could provide depth to a team that needs D and a D that can activate and give you some offensive elements. That's an interesting guy. I mean, there's other guys that fit that. I mentioned Konechny. I know that Frege, Elliot Friedman mentioned Ivan Proveroff from the organization is trying to figure out what they have. When I look at his contract, I'm not looking to move him. I need to find the right partner for him that can stay healthy and a guy that can... You know, put put himself in a situation to be a top pair guy, locked down that can play twenty six minutes a night. We know that Provorov can do that. He battles. He stay. He wants to play every game. The only games he's missed are the ones that he was taken out for COVID since he joined the league. Played his first four hundred and three straight games. I was pretty pissed that he couldn't get out there when he had an asymptomatic infection of COVID nineteen. But how this team moves forward is going to be, I'm telling you, it's going to be really interesting. And you got to figure out what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. You got to figure out what you want to be and then your process to get there and how long that takes. I don't see a full teardown. I just don't see it because I don't see enough success in the NHL doing it. I just I haven't seen it pay off for teams. It's very rare that it does. So we'll see. But I mean, I think this team after March 21st will look different. Cam York can't go down. Can't send him down. He's going to be in the lineup tonight. And once again, and I'm trying to figure out who he's playing with tonight. (laughs) Somebody tweeted Sam Diabetic Derek and said, Yo, Broad Street Bull, Jason Murder's looking for you. Yeah, Sam's standing me up here. I hate to do it to him. Um... Let me see if I can get this these lines for you for tonight. I think I maybe screenshot them on my phone, so my son's calling me naturally in the middle of what doing a show, of course. Um, but Cam York, to me, can't come out of the lineup. All right, here's the lines. This is courtesy of Olivia Reiner. Flyers, lines and Pairs at Morning Skate on Long Island. Girugina center, Farabee and Atkinson? Like it. Lawton centering, Lindblom and Konechny. Hayes centering, Van Riemsdyk and Mayhew. Bunneman centering Morgan Frost on the wing on the fourth line and Zach McEwen. Proveroff and Sanheim. Sanheim getting bumped up to the top pair and will play the right side, even as a left shot. Um, Braun and York are going to be together on your second pair. And wrist and coming back from COVID, is going to play with Keith Yandel in this game. Um, so that's interesting. And we could see, I could see a situation if Frost is going. And the coaching staff goes, all right, he's buzzing a little bit tonight. Let's move him up. And you swap him out, obviously, for Cherry Mayhew. So it will be Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, and Frost. And then Bunneman centering Mayhew and McEwen. But York's a guy that he looks so chill. We had a chance to talk to Daryl Williams, who is, uh, is the Flyers' assistant coach, was brought in this offseason uh, before the game on Saturday against the Rangers. and I, We were talking to him, Tim Saunders and I, about York. And about what he's seen out of York and with the coaching staff, really you can tell they like what they see because they're using him so much. They're putting him in the lineup in so many situations, but Morgan or uh, Cam York, he just so chill. And I asked Daryl, I said, is he as calm as he looks on the ice? Like some people look calm, but they're really not right. But he doesn't look like he gets the hell of elevated heart rate. Doesn't look overwhelmed. Looks real calm, makes calm plays doesn't look like the game's too fast for him and he panics none of that he just looks like a calm guy and a real chill guy and looks like he belongs and he said he said I'm getting to know him I don't know him real well cuz he wasn't Darrell wasn't here last year uh but and he's gotten to know him a little bit obviously this year but he said yeah he's he's that kind of just real laid back kind of quiet but confident but just plays a game that is real kind of simple and, and takes care of what he's got to do. So, um, oh, is Sam there now? Oh, okay. Uh, let me just tell Sam, uh, uh, I email, I emailed you the link. Hit that up. <laughs> um, so anyway, so it looks like Sam will join us here in just a moment. So yeah, York to me stays in the lineup. Frost stays in the lineup absolutely, I would not pull them out of the lineup under any circumstances for the the remainder of the season, unless, obviously, injury or something else. I got to find what I can do to keep them in. I think that's why you see some experimentation with Sanheim on the right side. Because if that can work, then that changes your dynamic. Because one of your left shot guys, one of your left side defensemen, can now move to the right side. What does that mean for Ryan Ellis? I, I don't know that it means anything at this point i don't I don't know what the situation is there. I know there was a uh, a, a pseudo update that there really is no update from Saturday from Mike yo regarding Sandheim and Couturier. So I don't or not Sandheim, excuse me Ellis and Couturier. So I don't know what the what the deal is there. I don't know that we see Ryan Ellis the rest of the year. We could. I'm not gonna come out here and give you a hot take and say, shut him down. I think that would be stupid. If he gets healthy enough to play, let him play. He plays. you get paid to play. If you're healthy, you play. Same thing with Couturier. I don't understand this notion of going. Well, the season's lost. Just shut him down. And maybe in the last couple weeks or month, you do that. But geez, we're not even at the midway point yet of the season, and you want to shut guys down? Where's the upside in that? Um, One of the things I want to talk to Sam about too, and I want to bring this up before he jumps on, is you know yesterday. Sunday, it was actually cold enough here to get out on the ponds and skate. It's rare that that happens. It seems like it happened more when we were younger. You could get out and play on the pond all day. But yesterday it was cold enough and the ponds were frozen. Buddy my Matt Wendell, hit me up and said, We're going out tomorrow morning, Sunday morning at 9 30. I didn't make the 9 30, but me and my son and one of his teammates, Max, went out and hit the pond yesterday and we're playing. And it was awesome. The sound of playing on the pond. When the you just hear that goop, 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 through the ice and it just brought you back and it made me think, oh, shit, why did I? How did this sport get its hooks into me? So we're going to talk with Sam about that. And he joins us right now, formerly of the Philadelphia Inquirer and now Philly Hockey. Now there he is. Sam Carcitti. Sam, how you doing, Jason? How you doing? Good to be with you. You as well. It's a good thing I have a radio background because I can just go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're ready, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, most most people panic like there's no calls on the board. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, h- how's the new gig? How's Philly hockey now? Yeah,
1: it's it's, it's doing well. So uh, appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, we're trying to do a lot of different things, and uh, we have comprehensive coverage of the Flyers. So uh, so far so good. It's uh, the company's really expanding. We're in. 15 NHL cities now and Philly
0: happens to be one of them. So it's an exciting venture and, uh, really looking forward to it. Sam, how much different is it from just, is it almost liberating in a way coming from traditional, you know, newspaper per se to uh, a digital enterprise like this, which is, you know, you can be a little bit more informal, if you will. Is it been a little bit liberating in that regard?
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I, I, I have, uh, have the right to be more, uh, opinionated, I guess. Whereas, you know, when I'm covering the flyers, I'm, I'm basically giving the news. They did give me, they were really good to me. They did give me the freedoms, write columns, which of course you can be opinionated on, but at Philly hockey now they, they want a lot of opinions and, uh, there's no filter. I'm, I'm basically the, the guy that runs the site. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, in that way it is, it is liberating. And, uh, a little bit different, and uh, but like I said, it's fun, and uh, um, it's uh, it's still hockey, and that's yep. a good thing.
0: And and you still, you know, it's still the game on the ice that you're telling the stories about. Was it a bit bittersweet, you know, the end uh, of that chapter at the Inquirer because you were there, and you've been, you know, a traditional journalist for for very long.
1: Yeah, I actually started writing. I've I've been writing for the newspaper for forty six years. Oh, uh, I, I was in college when I started. Uh, and I was just a freelancer for the Inquirer. I did mostly high school sports, and uh, I did that for about eight and a half years, actually. And then it was hired full-time. Then I did South Jersey high school sports, some Philadelphia high school sports, a lot of Phillies baseball. Uh, got to cover a lot of big events with the Phillies, and I've and, uh, been doing the Flyers for 14 years. So, uh, yeah, it was a great run. I have nothing but great things to say about the Inquirer. They were so good to me and my family. and. Uh, um, the, the funny thing is that you build, people said, we're going to miss the relationships. As you know, when you're on the beat, the relationships you develop are more the people that you're with every day. And, and you know, for a lot of years, it was the people on the high school beat or the people on the Phillies beat. And now the people on the Flyers beat because you're very rarely in the office. I don't know how you yeah. are, but, you know, I, I, I'd say the last five years, I could count the times I was in the office on one hand uh, yeah. because you're always at events. And, uh, you know, the events uh, become those arenas become your office and and, uh, you know, as does your home, of course. But, uh, you know, very rarely uh, are you in the paper. And and that's something that's really changed when I first started there. You know, I was in there every day and and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you miss that camaraderie because and the chatter and you develop relationships. But, uh, you know, things have changed
0: uh, dramatically, I'd say, over the last 15 years or so. Well, that's the interesting thing, right, because a lot of those guys that you have that camaraderie with at the games that you cover and, and whatever you're covering, they're also competitors, yeah. which, it, you know, which is a, an odd dynamic, but they become, you know, that's who you're grabbing meals with on the road and, and yep. you know, and, and but they are competitors, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, no question, you're competitors, but you're, you know, you're friendly competitors, as you said, you go out to dinner on the road and, yeah. you know, you go to each other's... Uh, weddings and you go to each other's you know the kids birthday parties and that kind of thing so yeah it, first it holy communion strange, <laughs> yeah it is a strange dynamic but it, but it's a good one and, and you know everybody makes it work and we're all in this together you know i always said years ago by some uh, uh i don't know if you know that name but by yeah. some was a great broadcaster with the phillies and i, mm-hmm. I was there when he announced he was retiring this is probably in 76 uh, i believe and, and he was retiring from broadcasting and he goes way back to the philadelphia a's and Eagles and and so on and so forth and one thing he said that really stuck with me he said that I, I couldn't have done the job I did without the help of all the other people in the media and and uh, you know all the talks we had over the years and and the friendships and that that really stuck with me and and by was a classy guy and and uh, you know he w- he was there I guess with the Phillies from the late 50s to the 70s yeah. but before that he did uh, did the A's. <laughs> and and unfortunately for him, he, he did, he was doing the Phillies and then they switched him to the A's in 1950 and uh, that's when they won their first pennant, so he missed that. Yeah. And then he broadcast the Phillies all the way through and they never won a pennant with him again, so. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, but a, a good man. But I always remember what he, what he said and, and and it's so true that uh, we're all in this together.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's why it felt so good to see Harry Callis and Merrill Reese call one championship oh, yeah those you questions. know yep you, those are the those are the guys that are like the soundtrack to our youth in a lot of ways um so let, let me ask you about you know this team right now because oh man um a 10 game winless skid and this is all following last year which was obviously a, a cataclysmic disaster but they go out and they make a ton of changes and then we've already seen we're not even at the midway point a 10 game winless skid then a seven game point streak And now seven straight losses and who knows, they could get to 10 straight, uh, you know, a 10 game winless streak again before the midway point of the season here. I mean, what have you seen out of this team through 36 games? Yeah, I think you
1: said it best when you said, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because that 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 really describes this team and this Mm -hmm. season. It's been, you know, for those who watched uh, the Eagles misery yesterday, it's been like that, you know, for 30 some straight games or whatever we've played so far. And, uh, you know, it, whether it's a slow start or, uh, you know, a 10-minute stretch in a game where, where uh, they collapse, uh, it just seems like whatever can go wrong does go wrong. And, uh, yes, they've had a lot of injuries and COVID cases, but, you know, they won't use that as, a, as an excuse, and I don't think anybody will because other teams in the league are in the same predicament. So yeah. uh, this team, unfortunately, the way it's built, does not have the roster depth to overcome all the injuries and illnesses and, and, uh, and especially a guy like Ryan Ellis, who to me is the leader of the defense. Uh, you know, I mean, we saw, I think he played four games. We saw just in those four games. What a difference he makes, not only for Ivan Provorov as a partner, but for this team. And, uh, you know, there, unfortunately there's no timetable for his return. Yes. They miss Sean Couturier. There's no question. And they miss him a lot, but Ryan Ellis to me, you know, being out for so long has really crippled this team. And as I said, they don't have the depth to overcome it. And, uh, you know, they're getting Rasmus Ristelainen back today, and, and that'll help them somewhat. And, uh, you know, they're starting to get most of their pieces back. But to me, this is a big week for them. Uh, you know, if they have any hope of making the playoffs, they play four teams, four games this week, two with the Islanders, but four games against teams that are sub 500. And I think they have to get at least six points this week at a minimum. And, uh, you know, if they don't, it's time to rebuild. As some people will say, hey, it's time to rebuild right now. I'm, I'm one of them, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, would, I would bring Zamula in there after Yandel has his streak, uh, you know, uh, passes uh, and becomes number one. Uh, you know, I think it's time that he sits down. He's had a, a, an awful year. And I would bring Zamula up. I would play York. I would, I would play Frost. Allison, Allison Frost. I mean, you yeah. name it. Uh, that's the way I would go. With, find out what these kids can do. And sometimes, when you do that, when you make changes unexpectedly, you start winning. Yeah. <laughs> the, to, to parallel a different sport, the Phillies when they traded Bobby Abreu, everybody said, "Hey, you know, they gave up on on the on the season." And if you remember, they they went on a roll.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so sometimes you get younger, and it injects some life. And things turn the other way. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it does, it's a plus. If it doesn't, the plus is you're gaining, uh, giving these guys experience. So you know that that's the way I would go and and uh, and and try to trade off some of these guys before before the deadline. I think Claude Giroux is the guy that.
0: Oh, we lost Sam's signal there. We'll see if Sam uh, gets back on. Uh, I think he. Oh, there he is. Oh, he came and went. There you are. <laughs> are you there?
1: I lost you for a second.
0: Yeah. You were, you were saying about, uh, you know, trading off pieces. You know, it's funny because if you go to the youth, and I think the math right now, Sam, just looks so daunting um, for them. I mean, you got you'd have to win it at 720% to even get close. And I, I, this team has a that. I, I can't
1: hear you, Jason. I, we lost the, uh, oh, you the lost action. audio.
0: Okay. So let me see if, oh, huh, I wonder why you lost audio. That is interesting. Um, I lost it. All right, lo- I'm gonna I'm gonna kick them out and log them back in. Um, so I'll just text them and tell them to log back in. This is technology. This is a live show. This is what happens. Um, but sometimes when when you do that and you bring in the young players and you say, okay, we're playing for next year and we're gonna see what we got, that releases that really pressure. Can You hear me now, Sam? Yeah, we're back
1: now. For some reason the sound just went and, uh, yeah. but I'm good now. I, I, um, yeah, I I, 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 was talking about Bobby Abreu and how, uh, the Phillies actually yeah, revived their season when he left and maybe that would happen if, if the Flyers made some moves. And if not, mm-hmm. you're giving these guys experience. I don't know if, if you heard that or not, but yeah. Uh,
0: well, the thing is with that, Sam is, you know, you, you do that and all of a sudden the pressure goes away of, you know, what it means and every game means in the standings and you can play with a freedom. And this team clearly right now is in its own head. That's part of the equation as well. Um, and, and to play young players, sometimes that's exactly what happens. Uh, you don't anticipate Jeru I mean, I anticipate him having those conversations probably already have, maybe not officially with through his agent, and everything about waving his no move clause and probably finding a destination. Uh, that makes it make sense for him and his family, and makes sense for the Flyers to try and come to a deal if to to go chase a cup because he's given the team everything he could.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, to me, it's a win win situation for the Flyers and Giroux if yep. he does waive his no trade clause because the Flyers will get value. Hey, he's he's still a very good player, and uh, he's leading the team in scoring, and and um, you know he he could be the missing piece for a contender, whether it's Toronto or somebody else. And, and I really think that, uh, you know, the flyers in a way, uh, owe it to Giroux to, to try to get him a cup, get him on a team that has a good chance to win a cup. So I think it's a win for Giroux. He can play for a team that has a shot to win it all. And it's a win for the flyers because you could probably get a, a first round pick and a quality prospect back for him because, yeah. uh, you know, he's a young 34, he just turned 34, but you know, he's not showing his age at all. So, uh, Uh, And as you said, he's had a superb career with the Flyers. He's obviously a Flyers Hall of Famer for the team. And he's probably, you can make a strong case that he deserves to be a hockey Hall of Famer if he has a couple more strong years, uh, which I think he will have. So he's a borderline Hall of Famer right now, but uh, he's got a good shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, the numbers are astounding when you consider he's never played with a pure goal scorer. The The thing is, too, Sam, with him, that ups his value in this rental market is that he's a guy and I'm not going what he doesn't miss games. He's only missed because of COVID. I mean, his availability is the most important element for an athlete to have. doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not available, but boy, he answers the bell. He plays, misses very few games throughout his career. And that's another thing. If you're trading for him, you know, you got a guy that's going to be in the damn lineup.
1: And and you got a guy that can play in all situations, penalty kill, power play, you know, uh, he's in the top three in faceoffs every year. And, and, uh, you know, he's probably going to score 25 goals this year and give you 55 points or 60 points or so. And, and uh, you know, and he's uh, been a captain for, what, about a decade now. So, you know, the leadership is there. So, um, you know, he knows what it takes. But to my way of thinking, and people get on him, well, he's never won a cup. Well, to my way of thinking, they've never surrounded him with the talent. And it's a shame um they did come close in 2010 drew was a youngster then but uh you know had played a big part in that run to the stanley cup final but they haven't had much of a run since then as you well know so uh, they really haven't surrounded him with the talent i mean that that year in 2010 of course he was like a third line center that was a year you had richards and carter and uh briere could play center or wing and and Giroux, I mean, you know, think of that—that that lineup. That that was yeah. uh, that was a powerful lineup. It, it, they underachieved most of that year, and they yep. barely got in the playoffs. But then they put it together, as you know, in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and you have Chris Pronger and Kimo yeah. and as your linchpins on the blue line. I mean, you, you need an absolute team to have success in this league at the play, in the playoffs. And I look at like Edmonton, and you know, you look at all the number one overall picks and the talent they have, but they don't have a team that can win, and they don't have the goaltending. You know, I think the other thing with Giroud too, Sam, is he goes to another city and he's not wearing that C on his jersey. And he can go there and just play hockey. Like some people go, well, I'll let him go. Uh, you trade him, you get something for him. Then he can sign back here in the offseason. Very rarely see that happen.
1: Yeah, I'd be surprised if that happened, but it's not out of the question. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his family has some roots here, deep roots. He's got two young kids now. and uh, But I guess it depends it's just a shame uh you know from his perspective that ottawa ottawa would be would be the perfect spot if the senators were a contender but of course they're far from it because yeah. that he would have the best of both worlds because he would be going home because he's he makes his home there uh in the off season but uh um you know like you said it's a possibility but how often does it happen maybe 3% of the time where somebody go somewhere and then comes back as a free agent the next year. It, it doesn't happen too much, but uh, I guess it all depends where he goes and how comfortably he fits in and what the team does. I mean, if he goes to, I mentioned Toronto before, if he goes to Toronto and, and the Leafs win a cup, well then maybe he, he wants to come back and, and try to win one with the Flyers. That would be interesting. You um, check
0: a big box. If, if that happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, but he, to me, he's by far their number one trading piece yeah. uh, at the deadline or a little before. You know, there are other guys, you know, they, they have uh, Martin on. Jones maybe a piece. James yep. Van like maybe a piece. Uh, uh, a lot of guys. Dirk Broussard, if he ever gets healthy, could be a piece. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guys that can get you, you know, mid to late picks. You're not going to get early round picks for, for those guys. But I think it's time to stock up the farm system because the, the farm system, um, you know, albeit the nine-game point streak the Phantoms put up, uh, it, they have mostly veterans. They don't have a lot of great quality prospects there right now because most of those guys are here. Um, and uh, the, the farm system is down right now. And
0: And uh, I think they, they could really use some more draft picks. Yeah. Uh, were you surprised uh, last week on the and Strick podcast when Bob Clark uh, went full double bazookas on uh, Ron Hextall's drafting, not just the Nolan Patrick, but in general? Yeah, I was. I was shocked.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I, I, don't know what good it did. The only thing I can think of, and I, I tried to, uh, you know, I texted Clarky, and, and uh, usually good about getting back to me, but he didn't get back to me. I, I wanted to see if he wanted to talk about it, because uh, sometimes things get lost in translation, and, uh, but he didn't respond. So, to me, I, I think maybe he was trying to take some of the pressure off of Chuck Fletcher because people if the Flyers don't make the playoffs this year and they're certainly a long shot, it'll be the first time since 92, 93, 93, 94 that they missed the playoffs in two consecutive years. And maybe he's trying to take some of the, some of the eyes off of Fletcher and what has transpired here and they' I'm not saying it's all Fletcher's fault, but uh, you know he will become a central figure in this if they do not make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, and now Clark, he's saying that this is what Ron Hextall did. This is what he left us with. And ironically, if you remember, the first day Chuck Fletcher was in a press conference here after he was hired, he went out of his way and complimented Ron Hextall for leaving him a great farm system. Yeah. So, um, you know, it if you listened or read the comments made by Bob Clark, I, I think uh, he exaggerated you know, did Hextall do a great job here? No, I don't think he did. But if you listen to Clark, he makes it seem like his first-round picks especially were a disaster. They were not. I mean, yeah. he's picked, you know, Progrove and Konechny and Farabee. He's picked yeah. some, some good players. Some of them have, have had down years. sandheim and, and uh, you know, it has not been a disaster. I mean, uh, Carter Hart, who was not a first-round pick. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I think overall he probably is like a C-plus but if you listen to Clark, you know, he just painted it with broad strokes and made it seem like Hexler was a disaster. And, and that's really not fair.
0: Yeah, I think you always have to consider someone's comments with the motivation behind those comments. We know he's close with the Fletcher family, Cliff Fletcher, Chuck's dad, and, and probably trying to, you know, displace the blame to uh, a predecessor. It's just shocking to see a guy that, you know, when he was the— you know, Hextall played for him as a when Clarky was a general manager in his first stint with the Flyers and a guy that he loved as a player. But, um, yeah, I was a little taken back by it, the going, wow, that's that's interesting. <laughs> but, uh, it's never dull. Let me ask you about a f- covering a few guys over the years. You, you mentioned 14 years. You took over for Les Bowen?
1: Uh, no, I, I uh, took over for Tim Panacchio.
0: Oh, that's right. When Panach went to uh, CSN. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, but let's talk about a few guys that you covered and I'm just going to kind of give you some names and and your thoughts on what it was like to cover them. Let's start out with Jake Voracek because it was just uh, a couple of days ago, January 15th, 2021, when we had that uh, Mike Sealski press conference and Travis connectney sitting alongside him. Uh, what was it like to cover Jake Voracek though for you?
1: Jake was very colorful and and uh, engaging and I really enjoyed covering him for nine years anyway I, I think he was there 10 years the 10th year he got kind of strange and and uh you know it, it just he jake was a different person i would say over the last year and uh, you know he just one time he he just flipped out at me in the in the locker room uh, about something that i had tweeted and he had it all wrong he had all the information wrong and <laughs> And I tried to explain to him what happened and he walked away. I mean, so he, he, he just, he he was great for reporters. I'll tell you that he was, you know, he He would always, you know, say something um, off the wall and and he and he wasn't, some of these guys uh, talk with the uh, uh, are just very defensive and afraid to say anything. And, uh, but he was very open, which I really loved about him. But the last year he just, uh, I don't know. He was on, he was just on a different plane and, and, um, um, just wasn't the same Jake. And I even texted him and I had a really good relationship with him, I would say for most of the time. And, and, you know, I would text him and, you know, congratulate him on something that happened like the birth of one of his kids or whatever. And, and I, and I, when he was traded, I actually texted him and, and congratulated him. And, and uh you know wish him good luck in columbus he'd always tell me the best spots to go to in columbus So we had a really <laughs> good relationship but he never yeah. responded so that something you know I, and i'm still not sure what what actually happened uh happened there maybe he got burnt by something on twitter I, I don't really follow him you know on twitter and i know we got in twitter wars with a lot of people and yeah. I, I have no idea really but he uh, was a notorious it, blocker yeah and, he, and his, but his personality changed in the last year and i I think yeah. it was an indication that he was fed up with being here. That's the way I read it. That may not yeah. be true, but I think he kind of welcomed getting out of here. That's just the impression that I got. And uh, you know, so it'll be it'll be interesting when the when the Flyers get to play the uh, the Blue Jackets and Thursday. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's coming up. So uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you about covering Chris Pronger because we Love know it. that there's not a microphone or camera he doesn't like. Yeah,
1: and I'll I'll tell you a story. I don't think I've ever told this. Um, Chris and I had a great relationship, uh, but there was one time where the Flyers were hiding one of his injuries. Would not say what it was and um, uh, wouldn't even give a hint of it. And uh, so I actually called Chris's doctor (laughs) and just to get an idea, because at the time we weren't sure if he was going to miss the whole season. You know, we really didn't know the severity of it. So Pronger was not happy when that was relayed back to him. And actually we were in Columbus, speaking of Columbus, we were in Columbus and he chewed me out and uh, and he said, in there, in there. And he put me in a little room and was just me and him and he he locked the door and he screamed at me for about 15 minutes. Don't you know about HIPAA rules? Don't you understand? You know, and he went on and on and he screamed for 15 minutes. And I just said, "Uh, are you done? And, uh, and he looked at me and I said, are we good now? And he says, we're good, but you no longer get the first question. <laughs> like in other words, at a press conference, you can't have the first question. And I nice. said, okay. And, and we shook hands and that was it. But that yeah. was Chris Pronger. He was, he was a beauty. I mean, I, I yeah. love Pronger. Uh, I love the way he played. I love the intensity and I love what he, I loved how he challenged his teammates and, uh, just a great leader, tremendous leader. And one of the best leaders I've ever seen. And uh, like I said, uh, spoke his mind. But, uh, um, you know, again, like Wojciech for most of his career here was, you know, didn't talk in cliches. Really, when he talked, it was something meaningful. And uh, uh, his number is actually being retired by the Blues tonight in St. Louis. So, so, uh, you know, and he, he had... A great career, and of course, a big portion of it was with the Blues.
0: So uh, I'm really happy for him, and uh, wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, he he's a guy that to me that should end up back in hockey. I know he's got a venture going on now, and uh, but he's just he was so mean on the ice. Like guys hated playing against him because he was he wasn't just a competitor. He was he carved your eyeballs out when you weren't looking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I
1: used to call him Captain Snarl because he yep. brought that snarl all the time and and uh you don't see enough of that in the game today. You really don't.
0: Totally know. agree. Totally agree. He's the only guy, Sam, that came out after game six when that puck goes in the net against Chicago in the final that came out and, and did radio and talked to me. Is that and right? Yeah, he just you know, he was a stand up guy and he, he you know, he came out and said, you know, we didn't get it done and but you know, and he came out and spoke and that's the kind of guy that he was. And, um, I loved covering him. I, I, I had to ask him because he'd give it to you too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He, he was tremendous. It reminds me, I covered the, uh, the Phillies world series in 93. And of course, everybody remembers Mitch Williams and what happened with Joe Carter. and, And Mitch was the same way. He came out and, and was a stand up guy and, and, uh, you know, talked about it at length. And, uh, you know, you always remember those type of things. The guys that, uh, yep. Uh, character but it's really tough for them and they they show that character
0: yeah um let me ask you about richards and carter i'll put them kind of pseudo together
1: yeah they were um kind of strange uh dynamic (laughs) uh to say the least um really really uh really sad the way richards career ended and uh because you know he he was a heart and soul guy he he gave it he gave it his all on the ice and he he had a little bit of Pronger in him, and uh, you know he had that Bobby, a little Bobby Clark in him, the way he played on the ice.
0: He was a winner, and
1: and, and it's a shame that uh, his career was cut short, and uh, you know a lot of off ice problems, which we don't have to get into, but uh, uh, because he was a hockey player, and I mean that with, a, you know, with. with uh, as a full compliment. I mean, uh, you know, some guys just go through the motions, but he was a hockey player, uh, in the true sense. And.
0: Oh, damn. We just lost Sam once again. I don't know. <laughs> Sam's got the AOL dial up. Maybe, uh, Richard's cut the cord on, uh, Sam's internet connection. <laughs> uh, that was mid sentence that Sam got interrupted on, uh, Mike Richards. There he is back now. Um, uh, is Richard's over there cutting your internet? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I think uh, he just took a hockey stick to these wires here. Um, <laughs> what had happened was I, I got a message from somebody, and it, it cut off the oh. uh, the thing, but uh, but apologize for that. But I, I start to say Jeff Carter was probably one of the best goal scorers I, I've seen, natural goal scorers uh, for the Flyers anyway. I don't think the Flyers – I'm not so sure they've had a, a better natural goal scorer since he left. Uh Know he scored 46 goals here one year, and and the Flyers really haven't had a true sniper. I may be forgetting somebody, but a guy I call a true sniper since then. And that's one of their biggest problems. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, and Carter is still putting up good numbers. He's been in and out of the uh, Penguins lineup because of injuries, but he's another guy. We talked about Giroux uh, being a potential Hall of Famer. Jeff Carter is a potential Hall of Famer. If he has a couple more real strong years, you know he could, you can make an argument for him. I'm not saying he's, uh, definitely going to go in, but at least he's make under consideration. There's, there's yeah. no question. And, and, uh, um, yeah. And, and Carter and Richards both got in some trouble here. Um, you know, I, I know Paul Holmgren was always getting on them for, to keep their lifestyle in order. And, you know, I, I think everybody saw the pictures of them at, at frat parties at temple and, and other places. But, uh, but Jeff Carter uh, really matured, and he's a great family guy now, and, yeah. and he's got kids, and and I think having a family and having kids really put his life in order, and he he's been terrific, and he's won some Stanley Cups, and, and uh, Flyers miss him, that's for sure. But you yeah. know, again, the, the trades they made, they you know, they did well in what they got for both of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Carter, and you and you got uh, Voracek, and and a draft pick to turn out to be Kucherov. Uh, with Richards, you got Shen and and Simmons, and uh, you know which ended up being Farabee and Frost, and uh, you know so it keeps on giving. So yeah. the Flyers got good quality in return, and some people I, I see on Twitter saying they were horrible trades. Those guys all won cups, but they would to want a cup here, not with you know what yeah. what surrounded them. Yeah. So you know I, I think uh, you know. I think the Flyers actually did well in those trades. And, uh, and of course, Carter ended up going to Columbus and then got traded. A lot of people forget
0: that. Well, he got forced his way to Columbus L.A. To right, right. Yeah, I mean, he, he helped put that Kings in that 2012 Cup team over the top. He was in a deadline acquisition from Columbus to L.A. that year. And, of course, he's, yep. on that, he's still on the contract that the Flyers signed him to 12 years ago. It's insane. Uh, finally, the, the last year of that deal. You know, it's funny. Those two guys – if I had a microphone and, or we were on the air, it was like pulling teeth to get anything. But as soon yeah. as I was standing there without a microphone or hanging out in my locker room where I work in NBA 1, those two come in and just break your balls. They were great. But as soon as I had that microphone, it was like, I'm going to suck on the air so you don't ask me to do it anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they did not uh, like to talk. Uh, especially Richards, they yeah. they did not like to talk, and they would hide in the dressing room. And and uh, Carter has gotten better as the years have gone on, but uh, uh, you know it, it was really pulling teeth. I I, I agree with you.
0: Last name for you, Steve Mason. What was he like to cover? Because Mason could be a Mason, little.
1: Yeah, Mason was great. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, great great guy. Uh, I did a big story on him when he came here and talked to his his parents. They lived outside Toronto and met up with him. Met them uh, right outside the arena there in Toronto. We had some great chats, really good people, quality people. I think, I think Mason got a, uh, a bad rap here. I, I think he was a better goalie and you look at his numbers Yeah, they're good. Uh, his numbers were, were good here. Yeah. I mean, they, were they great? No, they were good to very good. And, and, uh, you know, he kept them in that series against the Rangers, uh, that they lost in seven games. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, some of his teammates were a little down on him because he was the kind of guy that uh, w- was not shy from throwing under somebody under the bus. Yeah. If there was a defensive breakdown and a goal was scored, he would, he would point that out without maybe even naming the names. But he kind of knew who was behind it. So I don't think he was a beloved guy in the locker room. But uh, to me, you know, for the media, he was great. He was honest uh good player never quite lived up to his expectations of his tremendous rookie year with the columbus blue jackets but very good goalie was surprised he retired so young to be honest yeah and uh uh good guy good family and uh he uh yeah he's probably one of the better goalies the flyers have actually had in the last 10 years or so and and uh you know carter hart's got a chance to be you know, a lot better than him He still Mm -hmm. has to prove it. But uh, again, getting back to the defense, this defense in front of the goalies uh, has to get better. And they will, when Ryan Ellis gets back, the the big question is when.
0: Yeah. Environment matters for goaltenders. You know, the thing about Macy just, he was such a competitor. I don't think he could envision himself moving into a tandem or a backup role. And there's a lot of money to be made in that role. You know, look at Martin Julian making two mil, playing it, you know, a third of the games that he played the last you know, 10 years in the league. But um, I don't think Mace could ever wrap his head around being that guy. And it, it found his way out of the league real quick as a result of that. Sam, uh, best of luck with Philly Hockey Now uh, at www.phillyhockeynow.com. And, of course, at Broad Street Bowl on Twitter. Still the same Twitter handle, right?
1: You got it. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you at the rink. But uh, always appreciate the time, Jason. Sorry we had a uh, little bit of a problem connecting there.
0: Uh, no no worries at all. I appreciate you doing it, Sam. And uh, we'll see you at the rink and uh, Flyers Islanders tonight. You can check out the website, Philly Hockey Now, and get uh, Sam's coverage there as well. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jason. Happy New Year. There he is. Sam Carcidi joins us on the Parks Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Let me tell you about Parks because we're going to put a wrap on the episode. And Parks is great. And the Sportsbook app is fantastic. So easy to use. So easy to navigate. Flyers a big dog tonight. Hey, if you if you haven't gotten in on it, just download the app, open an account, deposit. If you lose your first bet, is risk free up to five hundred dollars. Risk free, up to five hundred bucks. So make sure you get the app, get in on the action, and check out all the different ways to bet. Again, it's not just spreads and puck lines or you know money lines. It's so much more now. Play-by-play betting is awesome. Live in-game betting, player performances, props, teasers. You know, you have the same game parlays and com- combination bets. All stuff, all kinds of interesting things you can do. If you can dream it, you can probably bet it. Um, so check it out. Park Sportsbook. Get the app, and your first bet will be risk-free again. No promo required. Just deposit. And if you lose your first bet, risk-free up to $500. And give them a follow on the social channels as well. Park At Park Sportsbook on Twitter. Uh, They're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can get all of our past content there, uh, past episodes, including the OG's podcast with Harry Mays, which we'll have another new episode coming up tomorrow, Um, Harry and I. And you can also get, you know, Rich Gannon's uh, stuff on there, Mike Quick, and Natalie and Sam, and everybody's stuff is all there on all the social channels. So make sure you check it out and follow those as well, daily specials and get in on the action. They're a great local company. Easy deposits, fast payouts, the whole thing. So, again, get the Park Sportsbook app and get in on the action and get that $500 risk-free bet. Uh, No promo required. Just deposit and get going. Open up your account and you're good to go. Even if you're using another service now, uh, I implore you to check out Parks and support a local company to boot. Uh, But that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. We'll have another brand new one coming up on Thursday leading into the return of Jake Voracek here to Philadelphia when the Flyers take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, In the meantime, though, they'll have the Islanders tonight in New York uh, tomorrow against the Islanders at Wells Fargo and then Thursday uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets at uh, Wells Fargo as well. And the return of the newly thousand games played Jake Voracek. But everybody have a great day. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you on Thursday's episode of park Sportsbook presents stick to hockey live. Thanks for watching everybody.